0: Thank you very much, Asti. Um, Good afternoon, everyone in Indonesia, and good morning to those joining from the UK. Welcome to the latest BritCham Climate Change Focus Group webinar. Today, we will explore a sector that's preoccupying the minds of government regulators, municipalities, producers, and increasingly consumers, amongst other groups. The landfills in Indonesia are in many instances approaching full capacity and Indonesia also continues to struggle with plastic waste pollution, particularly in its rivers and oceans. As the consumer economy continues to expand, these challenges will only continue to get more severe. The government has a strategy of developing many waste-to-energy projects, but for a variety of reasons, typically related to tipping fees and feed-in tariffs, realization of these projects has been slow, though recent recent adjustments to some of these financial inputs We'll hopefully finally see some of these projects over the line. In addition in recent months particularly there has been renewed interest from investors in the recycling sector. On the consumer side many FMCG companies have announced aggressive sustainability targets including but not limited to be plastic neutral before the end of the next decade or 2030. Um, As a representative of, of a company involved in the recycling sector, I recognize the importance of technology in both planning locations for strategic investments, as well as crucially supporting the existing collection structure and systems to improve the collection of materials, and by doing so, improving the livelihoods of those involved in the sector. A subsequent webinar may focus on the processing technology that can be deployed, but today we will focus on two technologies and forgive me to our, particip- our guest participants that use big data analysis and digitization to help support the development of the waste management and recycling sector. Uh, I, I hope uh, my, our two guests will be able to, to explain that in a bit more detail. Firstly, from Scotland in the UK, we welcome Michael Groves, the founder of Scotland-based Topalytics. A company that is pioneering the use of data analytics to make waste visible, verifiable, and valuable. Since 2019, their technology has been used by the UK government to track hundreds of millions of waste movements across the UK. Each one of their customers gains actionable insights that benefit from an additive view of the waste system across multiple ent- enterprises, sectors, cities, regions, countries, or even continents. Michael is a geographer with a PhD in aerial and satellite earth observation with experience in environmental management, sustainable forest management and sustainable reporting. He is the founder of He He's also no stranger to Indonesia, I believe having worked here, I think in the 90s. And today, Michael joins us from Edinburgh. Also joining the panel, is Andy Mohamed Ikshan, we'll call him Pak Ikshan, the CEO and co-founder of Sulawesi-based Octopus, a circular economy platform that currently manages waste collection in Makassar and Bali. Octopus provides real-time data dashboard for brands, FMCG producers to track and collect their waste while giving incentives to local waste stakeholders via their platform. Pak Ikshan got his MBA from Bartley Haas School of Business, and in 2011, he started his reverse logistics company, giving service solutions for the Indonesian Police Department. He founded Octopus in 2018 in Makassar, and as I said, has expanded operations to Bali, and I think in the near future, probably Jakarta. So today, we're gonna hear from Scotland and Sulawesi, although Andy, I believe, is, is currently in Bali. I will hand over shortly to Michael, who will explain more about top Olympics, and then we will ask back Chan to take over and tell us about the octopus story. Thereafter, we will move into the Q&A. Uh, m- many people ask for copies of the presentation, but actually on the on the, the recording, you can see, you will be able to see it on the YouTube link. So firstly, uh, welcome, gentlemen. How are you? Well, I hope. basically yeah. Thank you. Yeah, good to see you. Um, So, Michael, without any further ado, let's get into it. And can we start with you? Thank you very much. Sure. Share my screen.
1: Right, okay. Hi everyone. Um, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Uh, depending on on where you are. Um, uh, thank you for that intro, Ainsley. Um, you've sort of stolen my thunder. Um, so it's great to be back in Indonesia. Um, as Ainsley said, I worked um in the late 90s um, in uh, forestry. Um, so I sort of ran around um, sort of forestry operations all over uh, Indonesia um, and the region. Um, and there, there I am standing next to. Standing next to a dipterocarp. carp, and uh, so it's really, really great uh, to, to be back, albeit uh, virtually. Um, so, as Ainsley said, um, so Topolitics we're a we're a sort of pure sort of data aggregation and analytics business, and I'll, I'll explain a little bit more about that in a second. But fundamentally, what we're trying to do is make the world's waste, and we, by that by the world I mean the world, um, much more visible, because we don't see that there's a huge amount of transparency. In the kind of waste system and we think that that kind of works against uh the kind of the the the, the waste system operating efficiently and effectively and by making it more, more visible we could build more trust in the data and ultimately what we're trying to do is enable uh you know sort of extraction of value both from the material itself and, and by waste we mean all waste materials whether it be plastic metals uh cardboard hazardous waste construction waste etc but also make value for all those players in that system, whether they be the waste producer themselves, the the recycler, and the the processor of that material, or or the regulator. Um, and why are we doing that? Because clearly, at the moment, the the system on a sort of global basis um, is, I think, suboptimal. And still, we're sort of losing too much of that material. You know, clearly, a lot of that material is going to landfill or to waste dumps, or at worst, is just sort of disappearing and leaking leaking out of the system into the environment so that's what we're trying to do and we're trying to sort of we're approaching it as a sort of big global systemic kind of challenge but we think that there's a huge opportunity there um, to make the system work better at scale Uh, so one of the challenges to doing that clearly is that system of materials sort of movements is really kind of complex Uh, and and now clearly different countries the, the the commercial players the government players The regulations the materials themselves will differ of course they will but fundamentally you've still got a whole range of different sort of movements of materials a whole range of different sort of companies and organizations generating that waste different organizations moving or processing or disposing of that material and that material gets mixed uh, gets contaminated and so there's it's a really sort of sort of complex kind of system but it's a constant flow of materials. that material is constantly moving through the system. So this is what we're trying to get a better handle on. And so what we're trying to do is bring that to life and make it, you know, make it real. And one of the ways we're doing that is, is literally just sort of mapping the movements of those materials and trying to understand what those materials are, what's the value of those materials, what's the quality of that material, what happens to that material, how far is that material moved. So that's really where the sort of the big data piece comes in from our point of view. So the way we do that is we've built over the last few years um, a data platform uh, that, 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 that we can adjust and we can process significant quantities of waste data. And I'll come on to the sources of the, that data in a sec. So as a team, we're really sort of triangulating on three things. So we've got people that have run waste, waste and recycling companies, um, we, we, you know, we sort of understand the way the sort of the circular economy aspects uh, work as well. Uh, we've then got software development and, and we've then got data science. And our, if you like, our sweet spot is where those three things kind of intersect. Um, so, so I guess we operate in what some people call smart waste or waste tech, uh, which is a sort of growing bit of the, the, the overall kind of waste management industry you know andy's part of that there's a whole you know there's a whole range of different companies doing machine learning doing robotics doing um machine vision there's all sorts of activities, sensors for example bin sensors so we're we're within that 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 marketplace Um, and so when i talk about aggregation uh, what i mean is we pull data in from many different sources in many different forms so if you think about the data that's generated on waste at the moment, a lot of that data might be generated through um, you know through sort of literally just sort of pieces of paper which are then put into spreadsheets at one end. or it may be in some instances developed through apps or or software. like Andy's kind of got a, you know an amazing kind of system for sort of capturing information on on individual sort of bottles or or containers. Uh, it may be coming from sensors, so increasingly you know you have sensors attached to bins or uh, for asset tracking or for, for measuring the content of, of bins. Uh, so, so it comes from a range of different sources. And what we do is what we're really good at doing is being, being able to manage all of that data at scale in order to then provide answers uh, for our customers on what's happening to that material. So a lot of the data we see is, is you know, we, what we're really interested in doing is getting to the most granular data that we can on individual uh, movements or shipments of of, of waste, you know, what that waste is, how much of that waste is there, when was that material moved? And as I say, that data could be coming at us in a number of different different ways. And then once we've got it into the system, we can start to sort of build it and, and, and present it back to our customers to help them to answer some of the questions. So our customers may be organizations and companies that are generating waste, so waste producers, and they want to know what's happening to that material. They want to understand that the cost and the resource efficiency attached to that, the, the, what, that material. They want to think about how they might recover that material. They want to be more transparent on what's happening to that material. They want to feed into their, if you like, their sort of greenhouse gas reporting. So there's a lot of different drivers there, but you know, fundamentally, a lot of the time, it is about following the money. It's about cost efficiency, and resource efficiency. And so what we're able to then do is sort of present some of these insights back to them, which allow them to make some of these decisions. So for example, we're working on a a project with the uh, global software company, SAP, where we're taking data from some of their consumer product uh, customers, and we're sort of trying to understand what's happening to the flow of that material. So post-consumer packaging, whether it be glass, whether it be metals, whether it be uh, plastic, and we're sort of playing that back to them so they've got a better understanding of, of where they can make interventions in their own kind of waste system and within the broader waste system, not just in the UK, but internationally. Um, but then obviously, we, we, you know, there is a sort of value chain here. You know, we, we're talking about sort of downstream sort of material system and it is a downstream value chain. So you've got the waste producer where the waste starts, but you've then got the companies that are moving that are processing, that are recovering, that are recycling or disposing of that material. They're part of that value chain. So again, our, our, the data that comes into WasteMap, we're able to then sort of generate insights for the, the industry itself. So you know, whether it's understanding what that map of materials looks like, whether it's understanding where they can kind of best um, um, uh, target their kind of sales and marketing efforts, where they can best optimize the sort of the, the, the investments in new capacity or where they can add value to their customers and so again we're working with a, a number of um, recyclers uh, bro- and brokers who are really trying to sort of um, get a better handle on their own data but also use that data better to make some better decisions both for themselves and also present information back to their customers and then I mentioned the regulators and, and um, uh, Ainsley touched on this earlier on. Uh, I mean, of course, it, the regulators are increasingly, of course, looking at you know, looking at how they can then best get a better handle on the waste system in their own areas of jurisdiction. Now, specifically in the UK, we're working with um, the Departments for Environment, Food, and Rural Affairs, and all of the national UK environmental regulators. And then the UK government has mandated that there will be a digital waste tracking system. So all waste movements in the UK will be captured digitally. Uh, now, again, you know, we're talking about all of the waste companies reporting into the system. So their, their data is coming from many different sort of sources, whether it be from spreadsheets, whether it be from third-party software, whether it be from sensors. So again, the 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 the, the prototype system that, that we're designing there is basically pulling that data in from those many different, different sources in order to allow the regulator to make better policy decisions, um, to understand the, the flow of materials across the country and to, um, a big driver there is reducing waste crime. So that's a, a project that's ongoing at the moment uh, in, in the UK, but we see that, you know, we see that there, clearly there is starting to, you know, the, the idea of, of digitizing the sort of waste regulation systems I don't think we'll stop stopping with the UK. Uh, and so that's, I think, pretty well summarized, I think, what we do. But obviously, we're really happy to take questions
0: uh, as, as we go on. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. We will take questions later. I would just now like to hand over to Paikshan, yes, who gives us a benefit of his experience here in Indonesia.
2: OK. OK. Um, Good afternoon. Good evening, gentlemen. So yeah, um, let me start with this. Uh, Indonesia currently facing a waste crisis, right? We produce a 63 million tons of waste per year, which is the weight more than 1300 double-decker buses. So um, we're seeing this as a huge opportunities, billion-dollar market value opportunities. Well, uh, recently, Indonesia government released a multi-action plan to tackle 70% of plastic waste by 2024. One of the regulations is pushing producers or brands to track and collect their post-consume products, and the Ministry of Maritime and Investment Office requests the brands to give an annual report for that. And in 2021, Indonesia will start doing excise tax for new plastic packaging based on these reports. Doing recycle in Indonesia poses some challenges. The 81% of household waste is unsorted. The bad quality recyclables, price fluctuation and the eight layers of recycling actors cause inefficient process. So this is what we do. We simplify the process. We improve recyclables quality. We reduce price fluctuation. We increase the livelihood of local waste collectors. We modernize local waste collection businesses in one ecosystem. We provide mobile apps for the key stakeholders. The first one is the brand consumer as our user. We're giving an easy to use and free of charge service for them to dispose their post-consumed product or packaging. We're even giving them reward points for every single piece of it. And the points can be redeemed into a discount at 52 F&B merchants in Makassar and Bali. The second one is the waste collectors. As our palestari, we call them palestari. We're giving them price transparency in an open market price, so they can choose wherever they want to sell the PCPs that already collected from the users to any local waste collection businesses that already connected to our ecosystem. And the third one is the local waste collection businesses or our checkpoints, we call them the checkpoints we provide a mobile app that could record their transactions and also they can set the PCP's price at their convenience. Of course, we set the minimum price, uh, minimum buying price to ensure there are no leakage between the uh, transaction on uh, between the checkpoints and the plus study. And this is our data dashboard, a real-time data dashboard for brands or producers to track their EPR or extended producer responsibilities target and currently we're operating in Makassar and Bali with 3,800 daily disposal orders, 1,000 checkpoints and 2,700 plus study in our ecosystem. We also certify our collection center. We partnering with the one that can fulfill our standard terms. The first one is they have, they, they have to uh, uh, have some minimum working capital to absorb or buying PCP from our checkpoints. And they, have, they also need to have the proper sorting facilities and um, the multiple handling SOP for different type of PCP. So Octopus is not just about a business startup. It's way more than that. We give incentives for our users for keeping their PCP. So it will reduce the waste pollutions. We help local government to solve social problems by creating a new job opportunity. We train our plus study we verify them, we're giving them access for health insurance and bank accounts. Recently, one of our PLUStari just earned 10.4 million rupiah or 500 pounds in one single month. We leverage local waste collection businesses. Now they can have access for capital loans from bank or any financial institutions so they can grow their business. So yeah, well, um, Octopus is a solution for brand or producers to track, collect, and give incentives to local waste stakeholders. We're easy to expand since we're a digital platform. We We grow organically in only seven months of operation in two cities because our ecosystem loves our apps. We provide a transparent and accountable reporting system for the brands or producers. Next. So this is what makes us different. We use per piece instead of kilograms because it's easy to track and also give convenience for our user and our study. We verify our stakeholders with the IDs, all of the key stakeholders, and we have a waste data dashboard. So it's a win-win solution for every waste stakeholders for every single cities, especially in Indonesia. Next. Yeah, so that's Octopus, the, the uh, circular, the digital circular economy platform. Thank you. Thank you, uh, paishan
0: Could you maybe go back to your slide, which showed the the process, and just explain, you know, who's paying who? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. And you know, the certified collection centres are are they? Uh, Your certified collection centers, are they operated by third parties? I think it'd be quite useful to understand.
2: Okay, okay. Well, maybe um, before this, uh, let me check. Yeah, this one. So the user or the uh, brand consumers, they're disposing their waste or the PCPs to the scavengers, or we call them Plastari, the local waste collectors. So they earn some points that can be redeemed to the F&B merchants, and we're currently work also working with Grab, <clears throat> with Grab to uh, as a Grab Food for uh, Grab Food vouchers, and also we're working with these multiple uh, F&B merchants to, to, to give discounts to our users. And um, the scavengers, they're the one, or the police study, they're the one who gets the value of the PCPs that collected. So um, they sell it to the nearest checkpoints. Basically they have these options, uh, the pricing options, uh, whether which checkpoints that gives better price. So, uh, and we always make sure in in every cities that uh, the buying price between checkpoints to the plus study or the scavengers is always higher than any other market price at that city. And um, the checkpoints will sell it to the collection centers. The collection center is the one that who got this um, sorting, sorting facilities, and um, and they also acting as the price controllers, but we're giving them the price recommendation using AI, of course, uh, based on the current virgin material price. And um, after that, the collection center, we sell it to the recycling industry and so on. So that's the process. Uh, regarding the collection center the certified uh, collection center well actually we're using we're using this third party uh, certification programs for them to, uh, to to have to get the certificate certificates and. Um, currently we're working only with only one uh, collection center in every city that currently uh, we're running on well, the one in Makassar and the other one is in Denpasar.
0: And Andy, the, just the users are they individuals, are they F and B outlets, are they a variety of?
2: Yeah, well, as for now, our user is the households or the uh, personal users. So, uh, because we're aiming for you know the uh, personal waste generators, uh, we call them that because uh, that's where the uh, PCP come from, the uh, the uh, yeah the waste come from. So. Uh, we we we're trying to you know to reduce uh, the pollution of the PCP into a trash bin that goes to the landfill, of course. But um, with this kind of solution, we're also increasing the quality, the collection quality of the PCP itself.
0: Okay, thank you. I'm going to come back to you in a minute sure. with some some other questions. Uh, Michael, can I can I get back to you the it, it, you're now looking at expanding into the Asia market. Can you give me some idea of the challenges you're facing here in terms of access to data relative to, to the UK and where you're seeing potentially some, some of the, the greatest interest in, in Asia or Southeast Asia? You're on mute. Okay.
1: <laughs> there you go. Zoom gloom. Yeah, um, yeah we, we absolutely see uh, Southeast Asia as um, a really, really good market for, for what we're doing because there is clearly a lot of work going on, um, both from the point of view of like, you know, companies like Andes. And it, there's a lot of innovation, there's a lot of work happening on the sort of like, you know, the, if you like, the harder sort of infrastructure level in terms of new investments in you know, recycling capacity, um, sort of new players coming into the market. Um, you know, there is a, you know, we are seeing a sort of, reg, you know, some of the regulators who are sort of starting to kind of look at it as well. So, so from that point of view, we see actually the region as being a really, really interesting and, and, and potentially a very sort of fast growing market for what you might call waste tech or, or smart waste. So that's the first thing. The, the, the next thing then for us is, is like any other company, the, you know, tech company that's trying to break into new markets um we accept from a, the data landscape's going to be very different so there's going to be you know because you've got different regulations you've got different com- commercial models you've got different models of waste management clearly the data landscape's going to be going to be different in different countries so it then comes back to just basically developing commercial partnerships which is basically what we'd be trying to do whether we were selling widgets or whether we were selling you know some kind of consultancy service it's all about finding the right partnerships and building the right relationships with with companies that can basically unlock some of that data. We don't need to have a perfect digital picture of all of that material to start with. I mean, so even in the UK, there are still challenges with some of the sort of quality of uh, of some of the sort of reference data and some of the sort of live movement data. So so we accept that data quality is always gonna be an issue whether it's in Europe, the US, Southeast Asia, Middle East, wherever it might be. So, really, where our starting point is building those kind of commercial relationships, whether that be with the waste producers or a regulator or, or a, a player who's operating in the kind of recycling sector. Okay. And that's how we
0: approach it. Uh, in, the, in the UK, do you have any uh, clients in the consumer product sector? Uh, Yes. if so how how are you working with them and what sort of uh results or benefits are they seeing
1: yeah so so the um, i mentioned the project with uh with sap which is sort of built around uh a sort of another project where we'd set out to build what we call a waste and resources map for scotland a sort of live view of kind of waste flows across scotland so that project um, has brought in Coca-Cola European Partners, um, uh, a brewery called BrewDog, uh, who I think have you know footprint in, in in Southeast Asia, uh, and a company called DS Smith, which is uh, you know a huge uh, global uh, manufacturer of sort of cardboard packaging. Um, so so what they've got they've all got slightly different sort of requirements. So so Coca-Cola clearly are very interested in understanding what happens to those kind of post-consumer flows of particularly PET uh, uh, and other materials. So it's really getting that understanding in order that they can then make interventions in that downstream material system in order to improve levels of recovery. And clearly, you know, they have a global footprint. So, you know, clearly those interventions are going to be different based on different countries. But the first thing they want to understand is what does that, if you like, view, what does that map actually look like at the moment? For someone like a brew dog, it's it's very much driven by their ambitions around net zero, so they have kind of huge ambitions around sort of you know uh, driving carbon emissions out of their out of their um, sort of production processes. So there's a big that's a big driver for them, and clearly waste is linked into the whole picture on on carbon emissions. You know if you think about um, you know global carbon emissions, you know a lot of those emissions are directly resulting from the production and the consumption and the use of goods and materials and packaging. So that's that's a big driver for them. And then for someone like a a manufacturer like a DS Smith, it's about understanding uh, efficiencies, it's about cost efficiencies, it's about resource efficiencies. So they've all got a sort of range of different reasons why they would want to get a much better handle on what that sort of materials kind of flow actually looks like.
0: Okay, Uh, maybe a bit of a cheeky question for you, Michael. Until recently, the UK was exporting waste to Southeast Asia. Is your system able to track that?
1: Yeah, so where, where there are exports, clearly, yeah, we can, you know, we will pull that pull that data in. And so we, you know, we do see, you know, uh, material that's being exported, particularly, um, you know, obviously there's quite a bit of material exported to Europe for um, as refuse derived fuel, et cetera. And clearly though, you know, you know, since 2018 and since China, you know, announced um, its policy on, on, on imports, you know, that not just for the UK, but for Europe and the US, clearly that's been a real challenge in terms of actually then identifying new capacity to pr- handle and process that material that, that previously, of course, was, was exported. So again, we think we play into that because actually how can you plan new capacity? How can you make investment decisions? How can you, you know, sort of drive these kind of optimizations in the system unless you've got a better handle on on the data and what that, and and, and a better trust in in terms of the data that's available to you. So we think that that helps
0: to kind of, you know, um, drive what we're doing. Uh, And can I ask, here in Indonesia, as Andy pointed out, most of the waste ends up, well, a lot of the waste goes, goes to the landfill and it's not sorted. If these waste shipments were tracked you wouldn't be able to. Would you be able? You wouldn't be able to to tell what's the component of the waste shipment, and how much plastic, how much metals, how much organics. Yeah. yeah. Well.
2: Um, yeah. It depends. Well, um, currently we're only working with this uh, type, certain type of post-consumer packaging. Um, sorry. Sorry, Andy. Uh, I was asking Michael
0: if uh, how uh, to deal with that problem here, where waste is generally not sorted.
1: Well, I, actually, Ainsley, it's a problem in the UK as well. So it's yes. not just, uh, you know, it's not just a sort of um, a Southeast Asia issue. Yes. Going back to that slide where I showed, if you like, a schematic of the waste system, which you know clearly is literally just a schematic representation. But one of the big challenges, particularly for looking at post-consumer waste flows, is the fact that that material is mixed. So the PET bottles or the aluminium cans, the cardboard mm-hmm. are all mixed in those bins. So this is where the data science bit comes in. It's about... You know, it's about building a level of confidence in what we're actually looking at in the absence of a perfect digital footprint for all of those individual sort of items of packaging or all of those individual materials so so so, so that's a, a, that's a challenge a fundamental challenge across the whole waste system you know kind of globally not just uh, not just in the region and then but picking up on you know what andy does we we you know we pull in data from many different sources. So where we've got really really good data, for example, Andy will have really good data on individual you know packaging and you know in, you know sorted waste etc. So where we can access that data, we can bring that into our modelling. That helps us to improve the modelling that we can then do to say, okay, we think that that material consists of x y and z. It you know it's not a perfect picture because to do that you'd have to literally pull everything apart and, and, and count it but where we pull some of that data in it helps us to improve what we can then say about that that material so fundamentally we're trying to build a sort of a better level of, of kind of trust in that you know or a better version of the waste truth in the app you know where basically there's very little information you know sort of previously okay um
0: but each you're you're uh, revenue stream, am I right in thinking it's the consumer brands that are paying for the, the data? Correct.
2: Yes. And, uh, piece for that one. Yeah. Every single piece that we collect, uh, we charge them for, uh, for it. Yes. And
0: and they're, they're paying for that because of the, um, the government regulation for them to be transparent or, or try to report how much waste they're producing.
2: Yes yes
0: um, and in terms of the the collection uh, some of these b- big brands you you're working with are quite powerful organizations do they try and monopolize uh, the the collection of their products
2: yeah well um actually as octopus we're seeing this you know because uh, our solution is connect the brands to collect their post-consumer packaging. So uh, we didn't try to, you know, uh, to limit our movement right now because you know to connect with only or only one single brand is just to limit uh, our revenue stream. So yeah, that's not what's uh, on our minds right now. So yeah, that's we, we're not uh, going through that one. So. We, we, we're currently also having talks with some other brands. We're, we're currently working with two FMCG brands, and hopefully we're going to onboard uh, another brand as well. Okay, and do you see uh,
0: your solution expanding to, to other waste categories? I understand at the moment you're, you're primarily focused on, on PET. And if you do expand to other waste categories, I, I see that... Uh, you track everything by piece, but say for example, move into paper or, or flexible plastics or whatever, uh, it's not that easy to track it by, by piece and certainly not easy to track it by piece and brand and report back to the brands in that way. How would you tackle, are you A, interested in expanding into other forms of waste and how would you um,
2: address the reporting in that respect? Yeah, well, um, currently, uh, since we are only collecting the PET bottles, uh, it is because um, currently we only connected to PET recycling industry. But when we could connect to any other type um, uh, recycling materials or recycling industry, uh, 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 any other type of PCPs, uh, we, we, we surely that um, this could be the solution because currently uh, all of the stakeholders right now, the plus study, the checkpoints and the collection centers, all of them is doing the standard uh, or the SOP from the, collect- from the industry. So yeah, they just following it. So they just following it. And if we want to add any other type of plastic materials, we just need to add it up in the user apps or the, uh, our consumer brand apps. Uh, and they will put it per piece. Uh, it's, it doesn't matter if it has to be 100 pieces in one single order. So yeah, I think it's possible for doing that right now, but for organic one or any other uh, type of uh, post-consumer product like cardboard or any metal, uh, metal and um, any other materials is quite challenging for us. But so that's why we're, we're focusing for this type of plastics and uh, any other certain type of plastic as well but yeah as i, I as i said before because currently we only connected to uh, pet recycling industry so that's why we only collect pet right now
0: okay and uh, just out, out of curiosity uh you started off the business in in Makasar, mm-hmm. and the pet that's collected in Makassar, where is it ending up for recycling
2: Yeah, well, um, before Octopus in 2018, when we are doing our research, uh, there are eight layers of uh, collection layers that um, are trading brokers or uh, how you said, the waste brokers that currently uh, doing these businesses in uh, Makassar. And all of them uh, sending the recycling materials goes to Surabaya, so goes to another cities before going to the recycling industry. And it costs a lot, a lot, so much, because, you know, in every single layers, they want to uh, gain some profit, of course. So uh, this caused the uh, innovation process. And uh, when we connect to local waste stakeholders, well, it's quite challenging. And But we, we got help from the local foundation called Yayasan Peduli Pemulung in Sulawesi. So. Yeah, we got help from them to connect to local waste stakeholders, and then we 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 give them a proof that uh, we increase the uh, the income for the local waste stakeholders, especially the local waste collectors. So yeah, that's why um, the ecosystem loves lo- loves our app. So
0: it, uh, it's interesting. So there's enough value in the waste value chain to justify. Uh, currently to have all these layers and justify the logistics cost of shipping from Makassar to, to Surabaya for yes. recycling.
2: Yeah, yeah. And um, the, the previous eight layers of them, we didn't kill their uh, businesses. Actually, uh, we connect all of them into one single stakeholders uh, as our checkpoints. And we, um, as I said before, that we also uh, connect with this one collection center that, you know, that doing all of this sorting facilities or handling and um, shipping all the PCBs goes to the recycling industry. So, yeah, it's it's on their uh, roles uh, in our ecosystem. Thank you. Uh,
0: There's a question here from Joseph Huang. which I think is re- really quite relevant, particularly those that understand the, the waste collection system here. He's asking Do your client scavengers compete with other scavengers, private waste management, and local government collection service for the PET bottles?
2: Yeah, well. Um... Technically, we didn't want to compete with the local waste stakeholders. So uh, that's why we try to connect uh, and we try to uh, integrate all of the uh, local waste stakeholders. And uh, as per today, we have 1000 local waste collection businesses. And um, yeah, we're aiming to, you know, to grow more more local waste collection businesses as our checkpoints, of course. But um, with the Private waste management right now uh, in Indonesia is quite different because all of the waste management is handled by the government itself. So uh, we didn't have any private uh, sectors for doing the waste management. So yeah, that's that, that, uh, we, we didn't quite uh, have this kind of challenge uh, for us in here. And, um, and local government collections, every the balls. yeah. Well, uh, technically, our our scavengers or our plus study uh, contents of the the uh, uh, local waste collectors and also the government uh, collection uh, officers, and um, there is some students also. Uh, but it, we always make sure that we didn't do child labors in uh, in in our stakeholders. So, yeah. Well, we connect all the stakeholders, so we didn't compete with the local one. So that's why you know, we grow organically in Makassar in and in Bali also. Okay, and
0: there's another question here, which is sort of related to to that uh, reverse logistics supply chain. What's the incentive for the collection centers to pay the trash at your recommended price?
2: Yeah, as I said before that um, we connect directly uh, or uh, we're having this um, exclusive contracts with the recycling industry, we guarantee that they will buy directly to our collection center or source uh, this type of PCP or the PET bottles uh, only f- from our collection center in certain cities that we are that we already running on. So um, the buying price is quite high and of course the uh, the uh, value added points that the that the collection center wants is uh, based on the price, if the price higher, then yes, we can work together. So yeah, uh, the uh, the better buying price, of course, that keeps that keep our collection center uh, working and loving to work with us.
0: Okay, so a couple of questions really on government policy here um, in in Indonesia, and what recommendations are what uh, adjustments you would like to see to uh, the regulations to further encourage mo- uh, more recycling and you know, a, a greater a speed of movement towards a circular economy. Do you, do you have any views on that, Andy? And also, Michael, is there, is there stuff that can be d- um, done in the UK in, in that respect, is there, is there more adjustment to the regulation to improve the overall process? We'll maybe start with you, Andy. Any views on the government policy regarding waste management?
2: Yeah, there are two things that, you know, that came up uh, in my mind right now. The first one is um, the the excise tax for the new uh, plastic bottles. So uh, the government will give incentives uh, for brands that doing a certain percentage of uh, recyclings, And um, the second one is uh, the DRS or Deposit Return System uh, for the brands also. So, um, if there is this, uh, there is this two, uh regulation in Indonesia. Of course, it will accelerate the circular economy, and of course, it will accelerate uh, our uh, platform as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. If there's a regulation that's going to to mandate a certain percentage of of recycled content in and so that'll be a huge boost to the to the recycling sector. Yes, uh, Michael, is there similar regulations in the UK mandating that? Uh,
1: yeah, so we so of course in the UK we're still subject to EU uh, <laughs> regulation uh, for for a few weeks yet, uh, and clearly there's a huge amount of work being done at uh, EU level around uh, the circular economy and. Uh, mandating recycled content etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, in the UK there's a new waste uh, strategy and and again that that's the, there's a big push on extended producer responsibility part of that as well is uh, mandatory digital tracking of all waste movements which is obviously where you know where we sort of come into that uh but also you know we we are just at the point where a DRS Um, has been sort of uh, mandated for England and for Scotland so there'll be separate DRS systems so we haven't actually got one yet so we're still in the same scenario where you know the DRS is we we think will definitely clearly bring some transparency and efficiency um, into that into that system and hopefully help to drive more recovery of that that material Um, but then there's a whole piece of work isn't there that you know, it's partly driven by regulation. I guess it is around substitute materials, around you know designing designing goods and packaging for recovery, for uh, for recycling, for remanufacturing, etc. And that's also sort of kind of happening in the background as well.
0: Okay, I mean, if, if I may comment on uh, regulations here, there's uh, a lot of regulation regarding waste to energy tipping um, fees, feed in tariffs. Uh, but they're quite narrowly interpreted. And some of these projects uh, actually may benefit from not just uh, waste to energy, but more recycling component of, of the waste. But it's unclear as to whether or not the tipping fees would apply because the, the definition seems to be quite narrow to waste to energy. So one of the things I would like to see is the government expand the incentive, uh, the, uh, the the access to the tipping fees uh, to include recycling and reprocessing of waste for, for other uses. Because as long as the, the waste doesn't end up in the landfill, it's, it's to everyone's benefit. And I think that would also help boost the, the circular economy. Uh, Andy, a bit of a cheeky question for you. A couple of people have asked, are you looking for investors?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, as any other startup. Uh, currently we are also doing some fundraising um, until the end of January and um, yeah to expand our services of course and expand our ecosystem to another cities in Indonesia and of course we're expecting to connect with uh, another uh, aggregators or another uh, recycling industry that could collect another type of materials so um, yeah we're, we're doing some fundraising right now and the progress is quite uh, it's quite challenging for us, but it's still progressing. But yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> uh, there's a question, a very long question
0: here from Peggy K- King, and I'll try and distill it down. One of the points she's asking about is, is there buy-in from the local government and local authorities to try and support this? I think in a number of cases, the answer to that is, is yes. Um, is there interest from the private sector? I think the answer to that is I'm definitely seeing it, yes. Maybe a question for you, Michael. You see, is, is any of any of the waste management, the waste recycling, is it, uh, can You get carbon credits? I think increasing <clears throat> is gonna become important. And
1: um, I mean, that's certainly something that, as I mentioned, certain companies are seeing it as a part of their overall Approach to to net zero and to measuring their, their carbon emissions because clearly the movement of that material and the, the the ultimate fate of that material, you know, there is a there is a nexus there in relation to, to to carbon. So I think there's no doubt that there is a strong and growing link between you know how much waste material you generate and what you do with that material and and you know the sort of the carbon profile of your organization
0: maybe even possibly in the future, plastic credits. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, um, another question here from uh, Ikshat Risky, which maybe uh, Andy can deal with. Mm-hmm. It, and it, it, it relates more to the brands you're working with. Are they assisting in um, the public relations exercise to to help promote the the, the collection and recycling? Their marketing campaigns, their communication—are um, are, they—are they adding value in that
2: respect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, actually, uh, the brands that currently working with us right now, you know, they're promoting us and they're helping us, you know, to acquire more users or the brand consumers. Because, yeah, as you may know, that uh, currently recycling in Indonesia is quite—you know—is not something that uh, daily activities for us at. Um, to to acquire more user, we need some education uh, directly from the brand itself to the, their customers, and um, yeah, it's, so yeah, that they're, they're helping us right now. A couple of
0: uh, comments here from Joseph Wang. He thinks the tax on recycled plastic in Southeast Asia may be difficult due to the political strength of the plastic manufacturing companies and. The virgin plastic, I'm assuming it means the virgin PET is, is relatively cheap. That tends to be somewhat linked to, uh, to the oil price. Um, but I think we discussed that if, if the regulation starts to inf- to require more recycled content in, uh, uh, in the packaging that will change the, the playing field. And I, I believe that some of the recycled PET uh, food grade PET in, in Asia actually ends up in Europe at the moment because Europe's got a shortfall mm. and there's definitely a demand for some component of the re- recycled flexible packaging whether going to tackle or whatever demand for that in Europe so is, these there are emerging global markets um, in, in the re- recycled uh, PET and recycled flexible packaging that uh, could sustain some of the, of the the recyclers if when they start here if, if the market if the, the market and the, the financials here don't justify it though I do think eventually most governments will will start to mandate and regulate for, for recycled content in the in the packaging which should which be a good thing. Be a very good thing for Andy's business. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> Your business as well, Michael, yes. Yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we have only got a couple couple of minutes, so we could. I would just like to invite you both to to make some final comments, um, so, and m- maybe give your hopes and aspirations for the future. All right.
1: Michael, if you're, all right, okay. You <laughs> <laughs> sort of okay, pick on me. Thanks. Thanks, Ainsley. Um So yeah, no, I, I think again. I'll just sort of, uh, I suppose, re- repeat. What I said I mean I think generally speaking if you think about the circular economy if that's really what we're trying to all work towards whatever that actually looks like whether it's pure you know pure reuse and remanufacturing or there is a sort of recycling component to it you know you cannot avoid the need for number one better data and number two better ways to generate sort of insights and answers from that data so you know data is one thing but actually being able to understand the quality of that data and then understand you know make decisions from that data is, is something else but i think we we, we 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 cannot remove that data or digital aspect from our ambition to actually sort of drive a sort of global circular economy
0: Okay, Andy. Quite a few people are asking: Do you intend to expand uh, into other parts of of Indonesia, particularly Jakarta?
2: Yeah. Well, um, in our uh, plan, actually, on the on the first quarter of twenty twenty one, we're planning to expand our services in Jakarta to Jakarta, and hopefully in Bandung as well. But um, yeah, and. And my last statement is, you know, for doing this um, circular economy in Indonesia or doing recycling in Indonesia is quite challenging for now. But of course, if there is some regulation from the government uh, that's supporting us for doing this, so yeah, it it will definitely give more impact to to the environment and of course, uh, to the social economy as well. Yeah, can you also maybe
0: just comment, when I first spoke to you, you mentioned some of the brands that you're working with, and most of them, I believe, are multinational. Are, are you also working with some of the big local uh, brands?
2: Yeah, well, uh, they're approaching us right now, but yeah, we, we didn't have quite a contract or any contract yet with them.
0: Probably, they probably will approach if the regulation comes in. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That'll be interesting to see if that happens. Michael, thank you very much from, for joining us from all the way from, from Edinburgh. Um, and I'll see you soon in, in Bali. It's, thank you. It's fascinating to me to see that from across the world there are technologies emerging, which I think can probably work together as well, the sounds of it. Uh, to address what is a real crisis situation in terms of, of waste, not just in Indonesia but, but across the world. So I'd like to wish you both the very best of, of luck, hope to see more of you, um, your, your businesses develop, and uh, maybe we'll get you back again in a year's time and just see how the playing fields change in Indonesia and, and what uh, developments have, uh, have come to fruition. So Once again, thank you very much. Thank you, everyone else, you. for uh, dialing in today. This this has been recorded, and uh, Asti will certainly be sending out to everyone that's registered the link to everyone that's registered. I think eventually it'll be on uh, the British Arm, uh, YouTube site. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you nicely. Thanks, thanks. Great. Great. Thank you, nicely.
2: Bye. Thank you. Thank you.